0: Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home.
1: Hello and welcome to The Top Story a podcast with headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, Israel has formed a temporary coalition war cabinet to respond to the conflict with Palestine. U.S. Republicans have nominated House Majority Leader Steve Scalise for speaker in a closed-door vote. And authorities in Mexico are busy cleaning up after two tropical storms hit the country's Pacific coast. We keep following the latest developments in Israel and Palestine. Fighting is continuing between the two sides. Clashes since last weekend have caused thousands of casualties on both sides. Israel has reported more than 1,200 deaths, with over 2,700 more injured. Palestinian authorities say around 1,000 in Gaza have died, while over 5,000 more are wounded. Meantime, dozens of Palestinians have also fallen victim to the conflict in the West Bank. Akram al-satari reports
2: the life in Gaza is living unprecedented misery. Over all the horizon very black smoke resulting from the ongoing bombardment of different places, and when you walk down the street, you see hundreds and thousands of families fleeing from the home that are being targeted and not knowing where to go exactly. If you go to a Shifa hospital, you would find hundreds of individuals and their families seeking refuge and a safe haven at the Shifa hospital. I was at the Shifa hospital one hour ago, and I saw the horror and panic when the Israeli Air forces targeted a building, to Ashifa Hospital. The host, the, the, even the patients were running, the families were running, and they were extremely terrified. And that specific building came came across a a school also that was used as shelter by the people. The overall sense in Gaza is a sense of insecurity. The overall feeling of Gaza is that Israel has decided to blockade the Gaza Strip and leave them die starving and keep targeting them in a carpet bombing style. And I'm quoting some of the very uh, statements that were made made, were made, made by different people I met and spoke to. I saw girls, small girls, young girls who crying, asking about their father and mother in the street when amongst the smoke, they could not recognize them, they could not find them. So the life in Gaza now is characterized by loss of personal security, by loss of sustenance, and by loss also for that sense of security.
1: That was Akram Alsatari from Gaza. In response to the conflict, Israel is now under a so-called emergency unity government with a war cabinet. John Gambro has more.
3: Prime Minister Netanyahu stepped out on stage with former Defense Minister Benny Gantz. This is a big moment for Netanyahu, who a couple days earlier had asked for an emergency coalition government to be formed. That would give him sort of an increased political backing to move forward with what appears to be a coming ground offensive in the Gaza Strip. Gantz was part of an opposition political party, and this also helps Netanyahu, who has faced criticism both at home and abroad for his efforts to change the country's judiciary, which protesters and others said could change and radically affect what they see as Israel's democracy. Now, in the last couple of days, we've also seen increased support from the West in part of this. Today, we saw U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken board an aircraft. He's coming here to Israel. And also, we've seen British Foreign Secretary James Cleverly here. He actually had to run to a bomb shelter at one point as air raid sirens went off. Meanwhile, as this ground offensive is coming, there's an increased concern for civilians trapped in Gaza. You have to keep in mind that Gaza abuts the Mediterranean Sea, the Egyptian border, which remains closed, and that israeli border which is surrounded by that big border wall now israel is not allowing anyone in or out of the gaza strip at this moment that's led activists to worry about civilians being potentially trapped in the middle between israeli soldiers fighting hamas militants if this ground offensive goes forward
1: that was john gambrel reporting from jerusalem still in asia Another magnitude 6.3 earthquake hit Western Afghanistan on Wednesday. It came just days after a tremor left thousands of people dead or injured in the same region. Samaria Laibasan has more on this.
4: Well,
5: uh, the situation remains the same for the people because they are still living in fear. And uh, most of the family, like in, you can say thousands of them are living uh, under open sky and different parts of Herat City where I'm located now. It's a place where, which is 40 kilometers away from Zendajan district, which was the worst it's, I visited one of the villages, but luckily there was no fatalities because the people had already evacuated the area and they've been living uh, in a very harsh condition uh, around the village in open areas where the risk is uh, uh, a little bit less. Uh, that's why the casualties are getting uh, lower but the search and rescue operation in many other areas like uh, zindajan and uh, other uh, districts which were the worst hit uh, still continues the international uh, rescue and relief uh, uh, groups and organizations are on the ground some of other are arriving like the uh, icrf and they will be arriving today with a lot of relief aid but the people inside the city has their own difficulties like they need clean drinking water food shelters i also visited a camp for the idps because of the fears they are the residential people of herat city and they've been living in a specific uh, part uh, called uh, uh safar attacked uh, safar and this is the area that uh, the security uh, of the taliban have been protecting the people were happy about the security but they were demanding about shelters tents food, and other needs that they have on the ground. Also, in the hospitals, the doctors and medics still striving and struggling with those who've been wounded uh, during the earthquake, and uh, they said they're still in need of medication and other support in medical health facilities.
1: That was Samariala Yabassin on the aftermath of several earthquakes hitting Afghanistan. Turning to North America. In the United States, Republicans have nominated House Majority Leader Steve Scalise for Speaker in a closed door vote. However, it remains unclear who will eventually take the job. It's been an ongoing saga that has paralyzed the U.S. Congress ever since a minority of Republicans took the extraordinary step of ousting their own Speaker. This has come at a time of a looming budget crisis, a record flow of migrants at the southern border, and an upcoming presidential election. Nathan Kin has the story.
6: Well, here on Capitol Hill, it's close for Steve Scalise, but yet no cigar in a behind the scenes vote. He won the majority of the Republicans, 113 to 99. But what he has to do now is go to the House floor and win a majority of the whole House. That is 217 votes. And even my math can cope with 113 plus 99 is still short of that. And that requires everyone who voted for his opponent, Jim Jordan, backed by former US President uh, Donald Trump, to move over. And this is why they didn't have a vote on Wednesday, because not everyone is ready to move over. And it's not just the holdouts that led to uh, the uh, removal of the speakership from Kevin McCarthy. Matt Gates, for example, the leader of that insurgency, he says he's happy to vote for Steve Scalise, who's the number two, by the way, after uh, Kevin McCarthy. But there are others, some who voted for McCarthy, some who want to do other deals, some who had deals with McCarthy. And remember, the Republican majority here at the House of Representatives is so slim, he can only lose two or three votes. The majority is about four or five, uh, depending on uh, how you count it. So it is by no means guaranteed that if they do have a vote here on Thursday that Steve Scalise will get the 217 votes needed. What does that mean? It means democracy is paralysed. And remember, we had the crisis in the Middle East, uh, Ukraine funding. All these things need attention, not to mention a shutdown uh, of the federal government looming in less than 40 days or so. So this is a real embarrassment uh, for the Republican Party, who won a slim majority put him to uh, govern and they are not governing at the moment but they are taking their time at least they've got the first step towards a new speaker but this is really unprecedented no speaker has not been elected on the first round since 1923 since Kevin McCarthy who took 15 votes and the real hope is that they can avoid 15 embarrassing votes on the floor. So it looks like it's Steve Scalise. He was the number two under McCarthy. It's not Jim Jordan. The the Freedom Caucus found a very right wing. But everything could change. Nothing surprises us in American politics right now. Uh, It's really not the best of democracy in action.
1: That was Nathan King reporting. In Mexico, authorities up and down the country's Pacific coast are busy cleaning up after two tropical storm systems battered communities in the region. There have been reports of several casualties. Alistair Beaverstock has more.
4: Lydia made landfall on Mexico's Pacific coast as a Category 4 hurricane Tuesday evening in Jalisco State with winds of 220 kilometers per hour. The event uprooted trees and blew the roofs off buildings before moving inland, causing more damage along the way. Described as extremely dangerous by the U.S. National Hurricane Center, Lydia killed at least one person and injured two others, according to authorities in the beach resort of Puerto Vallarta, where authorities are now working to clear away the wreckage left on the streets from the winds and flash flooding from high waters. Lydia maintained hurricane strength as it began its path inland, causing landslides that blocked some major highways across western Mexico. The storm hit the city of Guadalajara and surrounding towns around midnight, prompting schools to close amid reports of widespread flooding. The storm dissipated at 4 a.m. Wednesday morning, but torrential rains are still anticipated throughout north-central Mexico. However, Lydia was just one of two tropical systems to hammer Mexico Tuesday. Further south, Tropical Storm Max hit the Pacific Coast state of Guerrero, killing at least two and leaving dozens of homes destroyed in the mountainous region. National Guard forces are on alert to clear the damage as shelters across western Mexico house those who continue to be affected by the damage caused by the events. However, with two months still to go of the Pacific hurricane season, Mexico will be bracing for more likely storms following the one-two punch delivered this week by Max and Lydia.
1: That was Alistair Beverstock. Finally in Africa, Kalani Muchima is a reporter for the Zambian News and Information Services. He covered Zambian President Hekande Hichima's visit to China back in September. Li Yuan spoke to him on bilateral cooperation under the Belt and Road Initiative. That was Li Chouyuan talking to Zambian journalist Kalani Muchima on the BRI.
0: You have covered the Zambian president's visit to China, and during that visit, the two sides agreed to deepen cooperation under the Belt and Road Initiative and expand cooperation in infrastructure construction, agriculture, mining, and clean energy. Talk to us: Why are these sectors important to Zambia?
7: Well, if if you look at Zambia, Zambia's mainstay of the economy is mining, and um, if you look at the BRI, it's it's it, this this is to do with uh, infrastructure development. And uh, Zambia is looking for new markets. And if you, new markets and, 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 and roads are the movers of the economy. Uh, rail, roads, air, these are the movers of the economy. So now, if mining, agriculture, smart energy, this is what Zambia's economy is anchored on. It is important, uh, definitely, that we have um, uh, infrastructure that can move Uh, our minerals to markets markets such as china uh, our agriculture probably uh, you know so we're looking for markets in shorts and if we have the infrastructure under the BRI, which of course China is trying to implement in, or, or already implementing, or it's about to implement in forty-four countries, uh, African countries. So that, that 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 is very important. Contributes to the growth of of our economy.
0: Hmm. Another sector the two countries are looking at is high tech. Right. President of Zambia's first stop in China was Shenzhen. This city is an innovative hub for China's high-tech industries. And Zambia's Minister of Technology and Science and Huawei have signed a memorandum of understanding which seeks to promote Zambia's digital transformation agenda. Why has cooperation on high-tech sector become one of the priorities for Zambia?
7: In Shenzhen, we we, we learned, uh, through the president, we learned uh, that, uh, you know, you can do smart mining. You can do mining uh, kilometers, thousands of kilometers from where you are. Uh, for instance, uh, in, at uh, Huawei, we were told that uh, they can mine from, from China, mine into Zambia using technology. So you see why technology is important. So this is how technology has become important. Everything now is about technology. We cannot underplay the level of technology that China has, 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 has gone into. I think the high tech- technology, for instance, we went at BYD, Build Your Dream you realise that every day that company is innovating a new innovation every day. You know nowadays, uh, 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 liquid fuels are costing uh, most of the economies. And and for Zambia, we are trying to see how it can maximise on, uh, on electric vehicles. That's also technology. So really the trip by the president in Shenzhen was important.
1: Recapping today's headlines... Israel has formed a temporary coalition war cabinet to respond to the conflict with Palestine. U.S. Republicans have nominated House Majority Leader Steve Scalise for speaker in a closed-door vote. And authorities in Mexico are busy cleaning up after two tropical storms hit the country's Pacific coast. And that's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu, thank you for listening.